This is a Cherish podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Boudreau. I'll be taking you for an inside look behind the glamorous facade of the interior design industry. At a time when every aspect of the business, from sourcing to trends to marketing to dealing with clients, is undergoing rapid change. There were design shows on television before Million Dollar Decorators, and Lord knows there have been many more since. Fixer-upper sagas, DIY tutorials, old house renovations, design competitions, chronicles of real estate flipping, and many more. But I think it's safe to say that no other design show has had the impact and the resonance of the Bravo original, which debuted in 2011, a decade ago. It was the first show to focus on big-budget, high-style projects and star already established designers. It tried to reveal what happens behind the scenes with clients, vendors, craftsmen, staff members, friends, and lovers. Plus, it had more than a small dose of Hollywood glamour. Who could resist? In its two seasons, the show changed the perception of high design among the American public and, for better or worse, changed the lives of its stars. Today, I'm pleased to have four of them with me to talk about how and why the show came about and what it has meant to their careers and the design world. First up is Martin Lawrence Ballard, perhaps the ultimate Hollywood designer, whose mix of strong gestures, bohemian prints, graphic elements, and Moroccan touches has delighted dozens of celebrity clients. Hello, Martin. Hello, Michael. How lovely to be here with you. I'm so glad you're here. Mary McDonald is known for contrasting dramatic Regency flourishes with refined palettes and playful classical references with enveloping comfort. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. Nice to see you and hear you, Michael. Thank you. Jeffrey Allen Marks brings a relaxed Southern California vibe to all his projects, even those in London, combining comfort, clean lines, masculine tailoring, and rich colors. Welcome, Jeffrey. Hi there. How are you? Great. So glad you're here. And finally, we have Nathan Turner, whose love of his native California infuses all his work, his shop, his sunny decorating projects, his entertaining and cooking. In fact, his cookbook is called I Love California. Hello, Nathan. Hi, Michael. So nice to see you. Great that you're here. It's hard to believe that it's been a decade since you guys premiered on TV. And I wanted to get a sense from you how it all got started. Like, who was the first one to sign on and how did they approach you and how difficult was it to convince yourself and to convince others to get on board for this? Because it was kind of unprecedented. So do you remember who was the first one? I was not. I know I was, I was the last. That's the, I, I, know I that. feel like it happened at a dinner party in San Francisco and our producer, Britt Levitt, saw us all together and sort of loved our relationship. So it was a group outreach. Yes. And I believe it sort of started Catherine. Yeah, I thought I remember when I met with our producers, Jeffrey, you and Catherine were involved. And then I remember talking to them and saying, oh, you should meet my friend Mary. And then they met Mary and she was like, I am not doing this. Like, she was like, (laughs) to the very end, she was like. And and I I remember, I think Catherine said, I will only do it if Martin does it. And I said, okay, well, then I'll only do it if Mary does it. So it was sort of one of those, like, okay, we're all in. Well, Nathan said, do you want to go on this thing? I mean, they're actually, they're looking for another woman. And I had just got my Rizzoli book deal and I got my first Schumacher fabric deal. And I things were like working for me. And I remember thinking, 
a reality show. And it freaked me out because when you see reality shows, I mean, people are pretty freaky. So I thought, do I really want to like, who knows? Who really knows what this could turn out to be? Uh, anyway, Nathan brought me and I thought, if I act like myself, it doesn't match my interiors. And I remember it was really, I think everyone was a little scared, weren't they? I yeah. could understand hesitancy. And what about when they said, you know, we want to document your progress on your projects? Did your clients have a lot of hesitation or were they on board early on? I think that's the hardest part of it, actually, is getting the clients mm -hmm. to agree to be on camera. You know, some people obviously love to be on camera and would jump at it, but your home is a very different thing. Right. You know, literally, you know, as an interior designer, you basically know what your clients got in their underwear drawer. And mm -hmm. to then suddenly expose that to the world is something that is scary for them. And so I think it takes a lot of trust between the designer and the client and then the producer of the show to make everybody feel comfortable enough mm -hmm. to be able to reveal those things. So that is the greatest trick of a good design show is having the participation of really good people. And that's the thing that made our show so different from everything else then and now as well, right. is that a lot of people can't get the right access. And we were lucky, I think we were early enough in the mix that we managed to get the access before everybody knew what was going to happen. After watching you, they were never going to come up. No, because I remember watching the show and I knew you guys a little bit. I didn't know you all that well at that point. And, you know, I heard some people say, oh, it, this is going to be bad for design because it trivializes it and it makes design look not serious, which I don't didn't agree with that ahead of time. And I'd never agreed with that afterwards. But I did think that some of the clients didn't come across that well. And it made it seem... To me, it was like, oh, my God, you guys are saints for putting up with some of these clients. So did that have an <laughs> well, effect today? Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We really are. You are. You're all saints. I can see your halos. No, but was there ramifications from any of our clients saying, I can't believe I did that? Or did they? I had one. You did have one. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. It was very hard for me to get people to be on it because you either have someone who's really very wealthy and they're not in the limelight. And why right. do they want to show people how wealthy they are? Like well, why? I mean, always, they, sometimes it's hard to even get your clients to to publish their home. I was going to say, you as know, an editor, times, I I was familiar with that. People didn't want to, you know, their best projects. At times, my my client won't let me publish it, even in a yeah. magazine, which they didn't even have to be identified. Mm -hmm. But I, it cracks me up, and I remember people saying that and criticizing us and saying that we are it's going to trivialize with the design world. And what would always make me laugh about that is like, we're not saving lives here. We're not doctors. Yeah. We're not like scientists. We're, you know, I'm not, I'm not discrediting what we do. It's a, a talent. And I, I'm very appreciative and grateful for my abilities. But it's like, come on, like, why, are, why? I have a big problem with everybody taking it all so seriously anyway. So it should actually be kind of fun. And why not show the, the, the all aspects of what we do? Because it is a fun job. It's something right. fun to do. And But one of the things that impressed me, again, watching the show, because, you know, I've never hired a designer myself. Sadly, I'm not in that income bracket. But to see the level and the detail of work that you guys put into every project, yes, it's a fun job, Nathan, I get that. But the amount of work you did, and I think that came across. And I think that sort of helped change the way people think about design. 
Because I do think since Million Dollar Decorators has been such a huge surge of interest in design and certainly the birth of social media changed that too. And Instagram, it's everywhere. But I think you guys sort of sparked that. Did you, any of you have any sense as you were filming the two seasons what kind of impact the show was going to have? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think it was the first time that anyone had been in design offices and seen the, you know, behind the scenes drama right. of in just in the office, let, let alone without the client being there, right. what the backlog of work was just to get this one room up and running is a lot of work. And I think people appreciated that more than anything. I think the reality of seeing actual real projects, you know, People were used to seeing things on HGTV where it was somebody running around with a glue gun fixing a house in two hours. Whereas for us, you know, some of these projects were covered in the course of six months where you really saw the things that happened. I mean, I remember one of the episodes where I, I couldn't get a, a uh, sofa into a building in New York and we had to close a street down and get a crane in that cost $10,000 to crane it up. And people wrote, oh, you guys fixed that. It wasn't real. Well, it was totally real. You know, so so there were things that were absolute realities, the disasters, the the horrors that happen on a decorating job were shown, you know, in their full ugliness to the camera. And that was the first time for people. And I think the design industry ended up really appreciating that because their clients that were sitting at home watching Bravo suddenly realized that these things do happen and it is part of the part of the story. Right. And I wanted to get a sense. I, I totally agree with that, Martin. But I wanted to get a sense because obviously the show was edited to emphasize certain things. Like I remember, Jeffrey, with you, the first season you were, your project was this restaurant and it seemed like everything that could go wrong with that restaurant went wrong. And then it was like kind of you never quite reacted and Ross was getting freaked out. And, and I thought, I know Jeffrey's not a ditz, but he's really come across as a ditz. But then when, the, well, you did, I'm sorry. You look at it again, but you, then they show the restaurant and it was like, oh my God. And the, you know, the reveal at the end, it was the most beautiful restaurant. And I said, you know, there was no way that anyone as ditzy as you were portrayed in the show could have achieved that result. You so, know, I didn't get ditzy as much as ditzy? I was very stoic. Like people thought that I was this I you were just cool angry all the time very oh, I thought, stoic I, guy. to me it read, read a little like you didn't you weren't going to worry about it you know i think they wanted to give us all our different avenues and i think they did read me as this yeah, yeah they this did they room. obviously did did and did any of the way that they presented you any of you really sort of upset you or were you signed no. on you knew from the beginning I think what I was surprised at from the beginning was I didn't know there were writers on reality shows, like helping move the storylines along. And I didn't really, I'd never really thought about that in that way. So there were definitely writers trying to push the personalities just a little bit more. I think it's important to say people didn't give us scripts. They chose no. people that no. have their own personality to bring to the table. It was like getting free actors knowing that everyone had a certain kind of personality. So there's something to watch. I mean, it was TV. So right. we knew it was TV. I think right. all of us knew it was TV. And it would be boring if there's so many boring things that happen in design. Right. That, yeah. Because TV it's is. long. It's over a long period Literally of like time. like watching paint dry. Yeah. Literally. Boring. <laughs> it would be boring if they couldn't edit it and mince it all up into just the sound bites and the visual things of what happened over six months. No one would want to watch it. Right. 
And I think it also was a great help that you all knew each other and were friends ahead of time. Because another thing that I loved about this show was, I, I think design before that, and maybe it still does, had this uh, reputation of being kind of a snooty, snobby profession and cutthroat. And I it know- isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it is, But it is that, truly, Michael, yeah. it is that. I didn't know I anybody- I, I think Nathan that I, yeah, I was going to say, I do think it is that because is some that. people are so mean, but I think you're right. I think what you're trying to say is that we, there are genuine relationships in this group of people. Yes. And I think for me, having had my store, Martin was my first client at my store. And he, and this is, this is rare because people are kind of mean in our business. They can be, and there are a lot of wonderful people, but Martin had his office at the time, like three doors down. And I remember him coming in and being so nice and so supportive and sending people in and was always that way. And then of course I met Jeffrey and Catherine and Mary was like my closest friend when I first moved to LA. Like we were genuinely like, we're very, very close. So I think that it was great to have a group of people that had genuine friendships and relationships and were supportive of each other because that does exist, but it also doesn't. Right. So like, I, I mean, Mary and I talk about after the show aired people that I, I never had any kind of problem with in my life weren't very nice all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and then, and then a lot of people were really nice. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It triggered something about it triggered certain people in our industry and that they, I don't know what it was for them, but but it, it is nice to focus on the supportive people in our business. And, and I think it is really cool. I try now to support people and especially people coming up. And I think about the people like Martin and Mary that like, I was a disaster when I, I like fell into this business, had no idea what I was doing. I was like, when I first started, I was like calling painters. I'm not even joking from a phone book. I guess we didn't even have a phone book from Google. And Mary was like, wait, you can't do that. She's like, here. And Mary was like, both you, Mary and Martin were always like giving these. Martin gave me his contract. Like, how often does that happen? Like, that's super like He didn't supportive. give me his contract, darling. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. no. He's like, you, you, you have to have a, I've been trying to get that contract have... for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. The secret's out. I didn't even know. Like, that's how like... Out, clueless I was I never worked for another designer and before so I never had that practical experience so it, no, it I is think, cool that we showed that and it, that did come across so strongly I think and you know you all with Catherine Ireland you were all going to her parties and her events and helping her and set up and you're helping each other and I thought that was really a nice view of the design world and again, maybe it was in contrast to that, that some of the clients just came across as such total nightmares. I, I just thought, of, you know, how did you want to deal with them? Name who? I'd like, I want to revisit. Who was <laughs> I'm not naming who. I can't I'm remember. Her, but who there were a few. Cath one of Catherine's clients. One of Catherine's was yeah. terrible. Oh, I, I know who. Right. And I, I remember. Knew, I knew her. Right. And I remember Martin, not that he was a bad client, but that Joe Francis on that, um, oh my God, crazy. You, yeah. you know, and then you had to go down and tra train the whole staff. I mean, I thought that was, and I think th that happens more than people realize. So it was great that that was exposed. There were some things, Michael, uh, actually was so crazy that ended up not being put into the show because nobody would believe it. Oh, we what? should do an outtake special. What? Well, yeah, 
well, for instance, when we were filming with Joe Francis in Mexico, our truck, our delivery truck, was held up by a team of banditos and held at Ooh, ransom. I remember that. And no. We had, we had to meet them. In, and it was all, you know, we were filming that, but it was all so crazy that they ended up not putting it in the show because it just didn't look like a fantasy. Right, um, right. You know, there are, that, that, that's for season three. Right, exactly. <laughs> we'll do the outtake season. Now, reality is always stranger than That's fiction. That's the director's cut. Exactly. Right, exactly. But you did expose, to an extent, your personal lives in this show. And, and Jeffrey, you clearly had quite a bit of drama going oh on God. at the time. I think I started my first scene within a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And how did that affect how people responded to you? Is it maybe that's what Nathan you were saying? Some people in the industry responded badly to the show. Do you? Think I mean, that I was definitely think there were people, you know, stopping us in the street. Hey, you guys just have a normal life like everyone else. You fight. You you do this. A lot of married couples would be like, "You're just like us," which was sort of nice. But yeah, it was it was it was different. It was, <laughs> all of a sudden, people think they know you at least a little right. bit more than they do. Yeah, but I think that was the case for all of us. And it, it, it's very interesting how we've evolved since then, because, I mean, I don't think, you know, probably Martin for sure does, but I used to get better seats at tables when we were filming. Restaurant. <laughs> no, I don't. No one remembers me now. Well, but Now we can't go to like, a restaurant, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying our podcast. My name is Anna Brockway, and I'm the co-founder and president of Cherish. If you're a designer who's struggling with long lead times from suppliers and increasingly impatient clients, now is the time to shop with us. Our vintage antique and one-of-a-kind inventory is ready to ship right now. To learn more, visit Cherish.com. That's C-H-A-I-R-I-S-H.com. And now back to the show. Uh, and how about business-wise? Did it help your business or hurt your business? I would think that it would bring you more clients, helped. but maybe it helped. And I would think, with, what about with your licensing? Because you all have a number of, you do lighting, you do rugs, you do fabrics. Has that helped the sales of your, had you noticed an increase? For sure. I think, yeah. honestly, what surprised me the most, because I was actually nervous about it. I was, I just was so afraid of us looking stupid because you, you associate Bravo with the housewives. And, and I thought we, here are five people that have businesses and we've all worked really hard and everyone has their own like talent and skills that are genuine. And what, so I was nervous about it affecting my business. And I was, I still surprised with, with one of the biggest things is that the, I don't know the numbers, Martin knows everything. So he would know it was sold all over the world. Yes. And I, I got so two, much, 232 countries. Yeah, a global phenomenon. So it, Martin knows everything right, yeah, about Martin has all the stats. So it, what was unexpected for me is that it gave us, it just made a completely different platform for us, an international platform where, you know, my book did really, really well in countries like Australia and England and Italy. And, and to, that wouldn't have been the case. People there wouldn't have known That's true. who I was and been interested in my book or products and, and also getting actual decorating jobs internationally. And that part is the coolest, most exciting and thing I'm the most grateful for is that kind of exposure that just broadened our platforms and, and gave us more opportunity all over the place. 
Right. Yeah, it, it gave it gave worldwide exposure, which is which is extraordinary. I mean, you can't pay for that kind of press. Right. I, I remember being in a in a swimming pool in a hotel in Istanbul, and I suddenly heard screaming behind me. Actually, I thought somebody was drowning, and I turned around, <laughs> and it was and it was a lady, and she was it was a lady from Tibet that wow. watching the TV show and Amazing. and was like a fan. You know, in the middle of Istanbul, this Tibetan woman. I mean, it, that's what oh, that's know, so the, fun. What the world did. And and even now, you know, there's still major recognition. Obviously, the show is still replaying in a bunch of countries, which right. is extraordinary. I right. think it is. I think it's going in Spain right now because I keep getting all of these messages on Instagram from Spanish people. Mary, remember when we went to the Philippines? Mary yeah. and I went to the Philippines. Oh yeah, <laughs> it tell was, them. It was a. We went for they their. Blew us. They have a international furniture fair. They're, that's actually really incredible. It's like kind of our their version of High Point, but for Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. And so they had us come and speak and we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into because who who knew? I didn't know anything about Manila fame is what it's called. And was it called Manila Fame? It was. It is. That's what, uh, it is. That's what. That's what. That's what you're called. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. They literally. That's my new drag us, name, Manila like, Fame. Like movie stars, and we were like, "Is this for us?" We were. Okay. It was actually made me embarrassed. I was like, "No, no, no, no." That's no. So we, funny. It, it, we there were people coming off the streets, and I that I hadn't. We've had people, of course, just be like, "Oh, I saw you on the show. I love it." But there, it was. Remember that one part with all of a sudden all those like kids were like coming up to us, like a horde of like. Well, the kids, the kids came up to us. I, I thought I was Angelina Jolie. Yeah. And I was like, do they think we're someone else? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, I am Mary McDonald. I, I was like, I could live here, I guess. They think I'm someone here. I was. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting and funny. And I was just, like slightly embarrassing, but it was it was. Definitely entertaining. Like, Jeffrey, you just created a beautiful line of lighting. I think what it kept debuted last year, I think. Yes. Not yes. fairly recently. Yeah. But don't you do you think having been on the show helped with that? Not that the, it's a beautiful line. I love it, by the way. Well, but. I think it helps promote anything. I think right. it opens doors. And I think people right. come into showrooms and see you. I mean, I, I think people want to see what's been happening the last, you know, eight, 10 years, mm -hmm. to, you know, to the person that they loved on TV. So, of course, I think, um, you know, whether it be fabric or my lighting collection or Palachek that I have a collection. Mm -hmm. of, and I think the same for, you know, I see all of us at High Point. Right. And, you know, we all have our various collections, which are doing so well. And I think, of course, that has to do with the show. Right. And I think professionals are probably cool around you. But Mary... Do you like have to now go out in full makeup now because of the paparazzi every time you take the garbage <laughs> no, out? But, no, I don't know. In fact, I was with um, someone and their children at a mall outside Boston. They came up to me and said, those people were talking about you and said, she doesn't have any makeup on. She looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I don't. I the price of fame. Makeup. It was fun. <laughs> kind of. You know, people want to pick you apart. Just like right. we might look at any one of us looks at someone else that they see. And then you think you can sit and analyze them and who they are and what they look like. And, yeah. you know, they put right. themselves in that position and we put ourselves in that position. Right. And it has all these pluses and it has all these minuses. It has... Right really a double-edged sword right. people can be so mean and people can exalt you that don't even know you so they don't i actually think it was helpful 
career wise, it I had people call me from all over the world. I had royal families call me. I mm-hmm. I had and they still call they've still reached out to me different casting people from European home shows still. So well, haven't you noticed there's a lot of people trying to create that charm that we had? You know, I got a lot of calls for you know, I'd like you to do this show or this show, or I'd like to speak. Right. Or, but they were always trying to recreate what we had. And I, w- I would just be like, well, that, that's, you're trying to recreate that. Right. Because that was on my hard. other question is why has there never been anything even close to it in terms of their successful design shows, obviously, but they tend to be on a lower level DIY kind of thing, as you mm. were saying. But there's never been a thing. It was like this, was ma- you know, capturing lightning in a bottle in a way. Whereas I'm sure they've tried to replicate it. And like you were saying, Jeffrey, they've asked you to be on other shows. But what's your feeling about doing that? It just doesn't feel the same. I mean, I think we were all in that moment in time where it just, we were all at the sort of same stage in our career. And we were, you know, I think there was this moment that was so special to all of us. And, you know, I'm so glad that I was a part of it. But I think it's very hard to just do one of us or two of us. It's not the same. It's not the same without all five of us sort of. It's an expensive show to film. Yes. Very expensive. People have said to me, oh, why didn't they do it? And I said, I bet it was really expensive. Because they follow you guys around lots of places. Well, there was a lot of downtime. There was certainly a a lot of downtime where they had to certainly pay the, you know, crew. And we were not working. And the reality is that, you know, a lot of these TV shows that you see at the moment, they film them all in blocks of like three days. For us, because they were literally, you know, following real reality. As we said earlier, design takes, you know, a room can take six months to right. order the fabric, buy something in Paris, ship it. So there was a, it was a long-term situation. Yeah. Yeah. Logistically, it's really hard to capture high-end design because of that we you know i remember the producers sitting being like oh great i love this project when can we shoot the reveal i'm like in like five months like we won't be shooting by then you know and it was so funny to um you know why would a you know a reality television producer know the the ins and outs of what we do but they were also shocked with how long our process is and you know we're dealing with real clients we couldn't right we can fake it. The other thing that people don't realize because they're watching it on TV, um, I don't think they realize the difficulty that the production company has in aligning the same story. Every single one of us had more clients in our office than we were filming because mm. they would they didn't all agree to be on it. Right. So they're coming to your office to film things, but you you're busy doing multiple things throughout the day. So they have to film, like Martin said, more than they need. It's very difficult production-wise. Yeah. I think that was very confusing for us all to begin with is, oh, you don't want to follow everything we're doing. You just want to follow and, you know, go off on this avenue of one storyline. A storyline. because And I guess I, that's what the writers decided, which projects and yeah. to follow along. Yeah. Yeah, but you can, you couldn't curtail your lives and your business to those one or two projects, obviously. Yeah. Your other clients would not have been happy. But we did have to curtail our schedules in ways to kind of be for the show. I think, wouldn't everybody say that was also a little bit difficult? Yeah, the the reality of reality TV is very tricky because to juggle 
your offices, your staff, your clients, and plus, like I obviously, I had a bunch of celebrity clients on there, and to juggle yes. their schedule. Yeah. So, so you know, there are there are a lot of obstacles to these kinds of things. Yes, I could imagine celebrity clients would be easier to get them agree to do it, and then harder to actually get them to be there to do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've done a bunch of TV since, and mm-hmm. we have a, a whole new thing in, in production at the moment, which is oh, all great. based around celebrity. But the problem with celebrity is, again, you can get them to agree to do things, but really, you get maybe one day out of their busy lives, and so we can't really get everything in one day on a show like Million Dollar Decorators. So, yeah, it was it was a tricky juggling act, but but God, it was fun. Well, knowing what you know now, but you didn't know then. Would would you all agree to do it again? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, we've all of us learned things from it, and there's ways that you would have yourself shown a little bit better or a little bit worse, whatever, however way you want to do it. And I think you know, it's a learning process, all of it. But what it has done for all of us, like we've all said, it, it created a fame not only within our business but also with the public. Right. which has really massively helped all of our careers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I have 16 licenses. I went into that with just two. Right. And, you know, most of that success has come from this and all the international stuff. And then all the silly things like, you know, I've ended up playing myself on The Young and the Restless. And, <laughs> which I love. Like, well, you are, you are a frustrated <laughs> actor, Martin. We know that. You started out in showbiz and now you've ended up in showbiz. <laughs> That's true. You know, you know the, so, so the tap dance of all of that, Right. is amazing and it really has come a lot of it from the fame from from being on the tv from being on bravo and the time we were on bravo bravo was literally the most watched channel it was it was the hottest channel there wasn't as much competition there weren't the streaming services yeah. so you had a huge audience and yeah and i think it was it was a, a phenomenon of its time and I think it couldn't can't be replicated, even though I'm sure people have tried. So I want to ask you in terms of your own work, were there lessons that you guys feel you learned or things that you went through during producing the show that have affected how you think about design in your work or put you in a new direction or made you try things that you might not have otherwise tried? I mean, I think it makes mm-hmm. you appreciate yourself and your talents and your individual taste level. I think it strengthens that and it, and it has. You know, I think from that just brief moment of filming a reality show, I think you sort of every day try and entertain your clients because I think they want a little bit of that. They want to buy a little bit of that stardom that you had. And I think they love that kind of. A little performance. Yeah, to be a part of it. Right, right. And I think to be a designer, you have to be a performer at some point. Right. You have to put on a show and you have to convince the clients. You have to put on a show and you have to, you know. Look, I'm going to take two millionth of your dollars, rip apart your house, <laughs> you know, and you're going to love it, you know, yeah. so. And, and wear some fabulous outfits in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. Of course. And it's a matter of trust. <laughs> of course. Of course. Mary, what about you? Is there anything that that's changed the way you deal with your clients or think about your projects? I really feel like I just brought myself to the show. I don't really, to mm-hmm. be honest. I don't. I feel like the show didn't teach me anything about design in its process. It taught me about television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It taught me about a public image. It taught me other things that have to do with becoming quote unquote, a public person mm-hmm. things. It was, it, but it didn't really, it did teach me about dealing with people. I actually think 
it made some people love you and some people not like you, probably just out of a little bit of why are they getting the attention, that little bit of jealousy. So to just say it. And, you know, I felt that way about other people. Like, why are they getting that? So I think it really just taught me kind of about maneuvering in the world. But design-wise, I really... The thing about the show is we had a career. Yeah, absolutely. When it started is why people think it's a different show. We aren't on a show doing nothing than making a career from it. So I'd have to say I don't... I feel whatever I learned was over the past decade were really from just different jobs mm-hmm. I took and the stress of, you know, of doing some, I did some ground ups that were, it really was just the regular work of that wasn't fi- filmed or right. not. But it expanded your scope or did it make you, did, did you feel more secure in your career that you knew there'd be steady clients coming in or were you already at that point in your career? I don't know if you're ever really at that point. I've seen huge offices. I I never wanted to be huge. Too stressful to me. You know, people that are like, I have 40 people. Martin loves it though. Martin (laughs) Martin loves an employee. He's like, come come over. Gives me anxiety to just Yeah, it gives me anxiety every day. And Martin's so like, it's just like people bustling around. I'm of the same like schools, Mary. I want to keep a really tight ship. And because I just, it's like, I don't have the constitution for that much. It just it, a million you know, employees. <laughs> yeah. It, so it, no, it, to answer it, your question, it scares no. my accountant more than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that one of the things, another really valuable thing that came out of the show, as far as I was concerned, was, you know, I always have said that working with a decorator is a very personal and intimate relationship, and I think you probably would all agree with that, and. It's so important that you understand the personality of your designer and that as a client, that you understand the person and that you get along with that and respect that person. And I think the show showed the variety of people who can do, you know, as well, we all know there's a variety of styles of decorating, but the variety of people who create that style, which you guys and Catherine Ireland, it made it quite clear. You were all very distinctive personalities. Again, as I was saying, you all liked and admire each other, and that was what made the show so special and such fun. But you're very distinctive in your personalities and your take on the world. And I think it it let people realize, oh, that you know, it's like my mother used to say in terms of dating, there's a lid for every pot. Well, I think in terms of decorating, there's a decorator for every client. And I think you guys helped make that clear to a lot of people. And I think that was, you know, was that the most obvious result of the show? No, but I think it was something subliminally that people learned that, you know, there is a designer out there that I could work with if they're looking for a designer. It's a personality match, isn't it, as well? Yes, absolutely. As much as a style match, the best jobs, the most beautiful results always come from from a job where you and your client have molded together and become friends or, or had, a, had a connection that was so pure, it allowed you to create something magical for them to live in. And I think the show actually helped mirror that because each one of us had different personalities, the different people that were attracted to us, allowing us to create Absolutely. projects for them. Absolutely. I have to say one thing. Knowing it was television, they would egg you on when things were not, they weren't not right. real, but. They wanted to heighten the I drama. Mean, it was boring. I, people come up to me and like, you really whip your clients into shape. And I, you know, I have to tell you, there's no whipping at all. That's It was television. So if they were like, this is really boring. You yeah. know, I'd be like, all right, I'll just act really 
like my most strict self because it was boring. So I have to say it wasn't totally really how yeah. I well, all am did see. with uh, right. the client. Right. There's a lot of right. catering. It's, it's like you're dealing with some people that are, they're used to being catered to everywhere. So I can't totally say that it, the show represented everything. Everyone can speak for themselves, but it, it would have been boring if it was as polite as I have to be. I have to tell you, there are some great clients and there's people I literally have to cater right. to because the job is so right. big and, a, and there's right. people I love, but it's, it's not totally. Right. Well, it's reality in quotes. TV. Everything has to know? be a little heightened or a lot heightened, which is, you know, Otherwise, like Mary said, it's otherwise it's not as interesting. At the end of the day, this is a service industry, and we are oh, and we yes. are here to service our clients. Just like I always say, you know, I've got two housekeepers at home, but if my client wants me to clean their loo, I'll be down on my hands and knees with a brush. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, just to say, what you want to be seen cleaning a loo on the TV? <laughs> I don't think that came across. You're hundred percent right like i always joke with not joke but like really with with new employees or whatever like this isn't as glamorous as it looks like there's picking out fabric little you know half the time i'm like eating grocery store sushi in my truck in a parking lot because i don't have time and running around and i'm on my hands and he's smelling a client's carpet because they said it smells like an old sweater or whatever it is it's like there's like you said martin it's like there's there's things that one has to do because we are of service to the clients. But that is why the fit, the personality fit is so important. At least for me, it's like, I want to, I'm not, you know, egocentric in the way of thinking that like, what, what I do is the end all like I I do a great job at what I do, but there are a lot of other people out there that do really beautiful work too. So that's why I've never really gotten super disappointed over not getting jobs because it really is a chemistry between the designer or decorator and the client. And sometimes different personalities are just going to work better together. And I'm really aware of that. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for this. I think it's going to be really reassuring to our listeners to find out that even million dollar decorators have to get down on their knees and smell a carpet uh, or, or get into the bathroom. Um, and I really, this has been so informative. And I do think that million dollar decorators was such an important cultural touchstone for the design world and for culture in general. And uh, you guys, I think should be very proud to have been part of it. And I'm so happy to celebrate it here on the Cherish Podcast. So thank you all. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Mary, Martin, and Jeffrey. Thank you.